How many of you know you're not going to get along with everybody you know? May I see your hand? How many of you know there are some people that get under your skin that fast? Isn't that right? Uh, how many of you know that sometimes you have to interact with those kinds of people? How many of you have won all the arguments you ever engaged in? How many of you have lost more arguments than you won? If you're married, gentlemen, get your hand up. Eventually, she wins. Retaliation as it relates to human relationships. This is that familiar text in 1 Samuel 24. I'm convinced that God is going to send a great outpouring of revival. But I think there are a lot of little things often in the lives of individuals who are Christians that we allow just to sit there and, uh, and just become comfortable with. And I think some of that is bitterness. Uh, some of it is vengeance. Uh, some of it is pride. Just those little things that are in there that unless we're challenged with the Word of God, we might, uh, it just might stay there. We probably are more guilty than not. There are some people, I think, that are as innocent as the driven snow is white. But then I think a lot of us have battles that we battle all the time. Any amens out there? Thank you for the third who did that. Each of us in this room knows what it is to endure disagreements. There are some people that does not like confrontation. Other people, they live for confrontation. If confrontation in a relationship doesn't happen pretty quickly, they create a moment where confrontation will rise up. No doubt about it. I'm reminded of a true story of an individual one time who was just uh, had a relationship and he and, and I think it was his spouse, a newlywed or something at that moment, and they got into it pretty severely. And she said, if you'll just stop this car, I'll get out right now, buddy. They were learning one another and the boundaries, etc. He stopped the car and she got out and he left her. She expected for him to come back and pick her up. He never did. When she finally got home, she found him asleep in the house. Not a worry in the world. I suggest to you that he made a significant point. Don't say, if you'll stop right here, I'll get out of the car. How many of you think for that man, that was a pretty brave move? May I see your hand? And he is in the house tonight listening as I told his story. Say, well, who is it? I'll never tell. And I believe that any progressive relationship, any progressive relationship that, that has value will strike fire. I mean, when I hear couples say or individuals say, well, we just never even had a disagreement. One of you has no backbone. Because there is no way you're going to get two people with human nature that you agree on every single thing unless there are spineless or unless there is fear. And that's true in Scripture, and we understand that. I often joke about, you know, you'd rather be right than happy. 
And I, I do believe that in so many, many cases. But let me tell you, there are some issues in relationships that says, okay, that merits a strong defense. That says we don't want to get into an argument or a deep disagreement, but it merits somebody in that relationship standing up and say, listen, this is how I feel. You don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree. And you can say that all day long, friend. But if you don't have two deeply spiritual people engaged in that conversation, I promise you one of them is going to leave hurt one of them is going to leave with some wall beginning to be built as a result of that circumstance. Unresolved conflict will harm any relationship, whether it's business, whether it is in marriage, if it is unresolved. I also know this, that you're not going to be able to go through life without getting your feelings hurt. Y'all with me? I'm just burping. <laughs> you boys ready? I I'm about to have vengeance in my heart. I'm preaching against it tonight. <laughs> Disagreements happen, and when we Know that if you're going to live life, you're going to have your feelings hurt. And I know that there are some people who, who hurt other people's feelings. And I, I, I've heard individuals say, well, they hurt people's feelings all the time and they don't even know it. And I'm thinking, I, I doubt it's difficult for a born-again believer washed in the blood of Jesus Christ that we could consistently live a life and not know that we hurt people's feelings a lot. There are some people who believe that they are to be the truth bearers and the law enforcement officers of everyone. That is to say, if you see someone else do something wrong, you think it's your job to police them and tell them, I just want you to know, I think you are dead wrong. May I use a Greek term that means be quiet, shut your mouth. Amen? Not anyone's job to go around calling other people out routinely on a routine basis. Disagreements happen when there's differences of opinion. Disagreements happen, of course, when there's a strong perception and in the extreme of one way or the other. Or there's incorrect information, you heard something that, that the other person did not hear. Or I found this to be true, where one is weary and tired in their body, and they're just worn out, and the least thing or often anything that is said upsets the apple cart and creates dissension. And when uh, the agony continues, it happens when stress is high, mine is getting higher, it happens when jealousy exists in a previous relationship. It happens when our feelings, as I mentioned a moment ago, have been hurt by some circumstance or, in fact, situation. Or when some past hurt, get this, or pain has not been resolved. It's still unresolved. And as a result of that, 
our human nature just waits to get even, or there's a stirring of satanic influence against you. That is a real enemy trying to create division, trying to create circumstances that separate you, that bring anxiety into that relationship. And often when those things happen to our people, we, we use this, and you've heard me say this many times, well, you just wait for paybacks. And I've heard that, and I understand it's a humorous statement. But my friend, here's what happens when adults say that in front of their children. You're planting seeds there that, my friend, unless it's dealt with, will eventually grow a harvest in the lives of those children. And when an adult makes that statement, it creates a destructive seed in the lives of our youth and our children. And they have enough to deal with rather than hearing an adult say, hey, you just wait till paybacks, which means I'm going to get you back. Our text deals with the situation of disagreement between polar opposites. You know this story. It is David who is innocent in this situation, and it is Saul that's motivated by an absolute jealous spirit. And as a believer, I ask myself, how do I avoid, how do I avoid the anxiety and the, the ability for vengeance to get into my life or that I want to pay something back to someone? How do I, how do I deal with that in my day-to-day -day life? Now listen, when you go through life with the desire to say, I don't want anyone not to like me. And I think that's a basic point of human nature. I don't want anybody not to like me. And you say that with a haughty attitude of pride. Then, my friend, that's what it is. That's pride. But I think there is a healthy way to say it's all right if people in my sphere of influence does not like me. Do you understand? It's not, I don't care. It's, it's okay because everyone in your best foot forward just simply is not going to like you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I like you, okay? I just like you. So here's what Howard Newton wrote. Often a dash of judgment is better than a flash of genius. And here it is. We all need to remember in our lives the power of God's grace. The power of God's grace. He that is without sin, let him do what? Reload. He that's without sin, do what? You be the one to cast the first stone. So can I assume that we might all agree, the majority of us, that we all desperately need God's grace in our lives? And we need God's grace for what others know about us or what we know about ourselves. But what's also important, we need God's grace about what only you and God know about you. And thank God for that. So we find our text in 1 Samuel 24, 6, he said to his men, the Lord forbid, David talking to the best, the best force of military geniuses in his array of armed forces, period. These individuals, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, 
the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Our text gives the illustration of what it means to respect authority. Now listen, you may or may not like some people serving in a particular position in the county. You may not like it in the state. You may not like it in the national office. But here's one thing that we as Christians must not be guilty of. Though we may not like a particular person, we must rise high enough to respect the position that they hold. Everybody with me? We respect the position that they hold, and we have an illustration of what that means. We respect authority. We respect the fact of resolving those differences. And we understand that through this process, the basic steps to resolution. And Saul, who is the king of God's people, he is a king that God said you don't need. But God said, I'm listening to you. I hear your appeal. You want a king? I'm going to give you one. And at that time, God gave them the best king that could be offered, and it was Saul. And we know that Saul, over a period of time, because he, he allowed power and prejudice and pride to get into his heart and ownership of the position, that that king of God's people declared that he wanted to take David's life, he wanted his life to be over. And there is a reason for that. His rage was fueled by jealousy. Any of us out there ever had jealousy about anyone or anything or any situation? Have we ever had feelings of guilt that we let that bog us down? We've ever had strong convictions that are there? You ever had any bitterness or hatred that seems to just beat at you all the time? And we know that David was fully aware because the reality is Jonathan, Saul's son, had warned David. Now carefully listen. <laughs> David was called to Saul's house to play the harp. He played the instrument, the lyre. And so Saul, when he was already upset, brought David in and said, I want you to play and give me some music here. And not only that, he was invited in to live there in Saul's estate and to be an armor bearer and to serve him. And that's when the relationship between Jonathan and, in fact, David took place. After a while, Saul began to notice, wow, this is pretty interesting. My girls, my girls really do like David. My son really does like David. Other people in the kingdom, they like David. David on his sabbatical, of course, goes out to the battlefield when the Philistine giant is coming out challenging the armies of Israel. You know the story. David comes up. He has this awesome reverence of God. said, how dare Goliath come against God's people? What's wrong with you, Saul? What's wrong with you, brothers, for letting this take place? And you know that he took Goliath's life. And as a result of that, it built up more resentment in Saul and the praise of the people of God became louder and greater. David, wow, what a great man. Over a period of time, 
You know that Saul said, I've got a daughter that I'd love for you to marry. If you go out here and kill some more Philistines, we'll make a pack. And so it is, David went out and in fact did kill the Philistines. What Saul wanted to happen, he wanted David to be killed. He thought, I don't have to get my own hands dirty. I want him to get killed. See, when you have vengeance in your heart and you have resentment in your heart and you have feelings in your heart, in your heart about someone or some situation, it's real easy to say, God, let them get taken out. Let them suffer at the hand of someone else. Let their life be so altered. God, it would just suit me fine if that were to happen. And that was Saul's way of getting at David. His rage was filled by the jealousy and the bitterness and the hatred in which David had no option but to run for his life. I want to avoid death if at all possible. What do you do if you're king? You've got your hand in everything in the kingdom. And David had to garner some military help of those that were friends and that absolutely stood with him. What was David doing? One thing. He was being obedient to God. Just being obedient to God. When you are obedient to God, when you are doing your best to walk in the straight and the narrow, you will become a target in many areas of the enemy. And he has plenty of help out there in the culture in which we live today. You can let things get you upset as a believer. And then in circumstances you hear on the news and that can get into your system. And when you begin to feel hatred and bitterness build up, even if it is sin out there and you know, and it gets in your spirit, we forget the fact that God says, you don't have to judge anything. I can judge it all. David and his men, of course, are hiding in a cave. This is after he has served Saul, after he's taken out the Philistines, after he's done all those things. David and his men are hiding. And so in that cave, Saul comes by, goes in to relieve himself. David now knows how wicked Saul is and knows Saul's desire is to kill him. And when Saul was in the cave, David's men did what, what a lot of people, a lot of people engage in helping others fulfill their vengeance. This is what they said, 1 Samuel 24, 4. This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, this is what God says. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Holy Spirit says. And it's right out before your eyes. I will give you your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Carte blanche to be able to deal with him. And David crept up out of that influence and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Well, what's wrong with that? It violated the higher law of God. If God says, vengeance is mine, then I have no business meddling in trying to bring 
vengeance reward to me. It's interesting, and when he did that, did David have the right and common knowledge? Well, everybody thought so, but that was not the guiding rule at the moment. Now, please listen carefully because these are supernatural spiritual gifts. David's strength was not in his army or his weapons. It never was. But it was in his ability to know and to practice and follow the specific will of God. It wasn't in he had the upper hand. It wasn't in now I've got the leverage and I know that I have it. It wasn't in, buddy, here it is, perfect position for me finally to shine and to, in fact, get even. But that was never the strength of David. David's power and might was found in being obedient to God. And so here's what I would encourage each of us. Always be careful of unwise counsel. If whoever is advising you does not point you to the Word of God, be careful about that. Always be checked by the Holy Spirit. And always seek God's Word for clear direction. God, I know what it looks like, but I don't have a peace that that's what I ought to do. God, I know I could call them out and have them, I mean, on the cross. But God, that's not what I know that I'm supposed to do. Afterward, when David cut that portion of Saul's robe off, he was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of the robe. Why? Because the witness of God's Spirit witnessed with David's wrongful action and says, now I'm going to touch your conscience. I'm going to touch your conscience. You see, there are some people who are better arguers and debaters than others. Some people, you can put them in a confrontation and they'll come out a winner almost every time because they have the ability to talk fast on their feet. They have the ability to swagger that personality. They have the ability to come back with a quick reply. And others may not have that ability to be able to do that. And if that's you, you have to be extremely careful that often you can say something that, my friend, that might be true but wrong to be said right then. And if you have that ability to be a strong arguer and confronter, confronter, here's what we need to be. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict. And when we are convicted about something that we've said, we need to be able to say, I am so sorry. I spoke out of turn. Please forgive me. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, you know, I'd say that if I, if I told the truth. No, I said, if you feel checked, 
the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you shouldn't have said it and you need to be, you need to be brave and bold enough to say, I'm sorry. Why? Because you're using the weapon of the Holy Spirit to guide you. Vengeance is mine, says whom? The Lord. How many of you know he's very capable of taking care of his own business? Sure. Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the what? Blessed are the strong will, for they will inherit the earth. No, blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Here we go. Close the door to pride. We all have pride. It's a dangerous keg of explosives. We all have pride. Doesn't, doesn't matter who you are. You've got a certain amount. And having a certain amount of pride should be healthy. You with me? You don't want to go around talking about how ugly and dumb and stupid you are all the time. You know, have a little unction. Have, have a little bit of pride. God, I am I'm a creation of Almighty God. I may not be the most beautiful creature on the planet, but I got to know that God created me just like I am. And, I, and let me just say, I've seen a whole lot of ugly people. And I'll define ugliness. We all have that definition. Our, that were the sweetest people you'd ever meet in your life. And my friend, what we would like is we like to have the beauty and the sweetness. But if I had an option between beauty and sweetness, I'm here to tell you, take sweetness. Amen? In the long haul, it will serve you better. At least one person say amen. Here we go. Then David went out of the cave and called unto Saul, my Lord, my king, showing respect. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Notice David addresses Saul, my Lord, bowing down, showing reverence and repentance. And when in the midst of conflict, and it happens, hang out. There'll be somebody that'll rub you wrong tomorrow. Somebody to rub you wrong tonight. Offer grace and humility. And when you do, it gives God the power to be able to deal in that situation. If you offer pride and resentment and get even and bitterness, you're going to go on a downhill ride on the tip of a razor blade into a bowl of pickle juice. You take the weapons when you're humble and you're not prideful and you're gracious. You take the weapons out of your enemy's hand. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Saul's response to David when David is down, you see, you are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. Often the biggest war that takes place is not the one when you're confronting a person or you're at it, is the battle that takes place in your own heart and your own mind after the other person is gone. And if you're spirit-filled and you love Jesus, God through the Holy Spirit can dictate to you all the things that you shouldn't have said, 
all the things you should have done and give you a good little spanking. Amen? So, Paul's writings to Titus in Titus 3, verse 1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and show true humility toward all men. Well, that is a truckload of a job right there, isn't it? A truckload. God, through Paul, gives us the more excellent counsel in the writings of Paul in Romans 12. He said, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but do what? Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. So we know that when you do that, you do it, and the only way you can is with a pure heart, a pure motive, a right attitude. And then God is free to work in our behalf. If he says, you let me deal with it, we leave it in the hands of the Lord. I've had a lot of people in my professional life that's hurt me. I mean, no doubt about it. I'm usually not a person to run and hide from confrontation. I don't, I don't say that. I don't, I don't know. I know very few people who really do love confrontation, but there are just some, and I know some of you out there, you shine best in confrontation. You do. But when that happens and you get good at that, it's hard to keep a pure heart. It's hard to say, Lord Jesus, I need a pure motive and I need to have a right attitude. This is not about me. It's always about your kingdom. And listen carefully, moms and dads, how you deal with one another in the home dictates how your children will deal with others in their life by watching you. Amen? If they don't see prayer, if they don't see a coming to terms and agreement, if they don't see as they're smaller and coming up, the humility, here's what will happen. They will emulate the lack of humility and be filled with pride and will in fact take everybody listen if you're an individual that you try to take everybody because you feel like you've been wrong to task you need another dip of the holy spirit in your life because we can all we can all find something right here right now to get upset about with someone else and the choir said, amen. We're also at liberty in our own spirit to release the issue. I have said, and I'm confessing, through the years, many years, and some in the, in the district office, God, you can take them out right now. You know what? If they would just evaporate and turn to a pillar 
you know, just a pile of salt would suit me just fine. If you're looking for a barbecue, take them. I, that's, I'm just, I'm, I'm bearing witness of what it was. But I learned a long time ago, it's better to hold your tongue. Amen. How many of you know, though, that when you don't hold it and you throw it out there, it really feels good. May I see your hand? For a moment, la, 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 something like that. Then number three, let God judge. Let him judge. For Samuel 24, may the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. David had to have a pure heart to let Saul get away. He had to have a strong and bold heart to tell his men, please be quiet. He had to have a bold heart to bow down and pay respect to a person that he knew that literally hated him. And there are many, many problems in our life and many conflicts and many challenges that, that we have an opportunity to work, work out. And let me say this. There are some people that you and I are just never really going to gel with. But don't let that upset you. There are just some people, and Paul and Silas and others, they, they just couldn't gel. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? That you don't have to hate them if you can't gel. You don't have to go on vacation with them. Are you with me? You just know, hey, it's best that we're not together just the way it is. The Bible says, however, if somebody does offend you, Matthew 20, 18, or Matthew 18 gives us some good guidance there. But then here's the foundation. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I want to keep my heart pure. David kept his pure, and the message deals with the spirits and attitudes of individuals during this process. I had people, when I came to victory, some of my closest friends who forsook me, who became bitter to me, who would not speak to me at any of our council meetings, who we used to go out to dinner and you'd walk up to them and watch them walk away. Hello? You knowing my nature, that's hard to swallow. But it will make a better person out of you if you just resolve a way in your mind to say, if they knew what I knew, they wouldn't be walking away. They just don't have all the information. You must create ways in your mind to give people the benefit of the doubt. David said to Saul, I won't have any malice. You know I could have killed you. I have repented. I will submit this to God to judge, and I will not fight you. And I like what 1 Samuel 24 says. You have just now told me, Saul is speaking, of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you didn't kill me. 
And when a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you have treated me today. He asked for forgiveness. I like finally in the closing remark these words. Saul said to David, Now I know that God has anointed you to be king. Now I know that the man that needs to be in this seat is you, David. How do you get your enemy to come to the conclusion that you're the person to take the role as king? By doing this, you do it God's way. Amen? Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Musicians, would you come? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you've done and all that you shall do. I thank you because I know that you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you are also the God of the here and now and the present. You are in this place. The Lord, we have endeavored to pack this message in a way in which all of us could swallow it very gently. And Lord, there are those listening on the line and, and they could not not watch because you gripped their hearts and you spoke to them. And Father God, you directly are ministering to them through the power of conviction. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that we'll pay a little better attention that, Father God, that we'll look at our behavior and our actions and we will say, Almighty God, I want that pure heart. I don't want to chase everybody that disagrees with me all the time. I want to be kind. I don't want to be sharp-spoken. I want to be the kind of person that, that represents the love and the humility of Almighty God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So for those that are here... God, that walked in the door that had some issues in their life that they've chosen just to allow to be there, well, you just prodded them a little bit, and maybe now you're speaking to them and telling them, you need to deal with that. You need to let the Holy Spirit of God bring forgiveness and bring resolution. You need to allow His Spirit to do what you haven't been able to do on your own. So just in case, I'm going to ask all of us to repeat this prayer. Can we do it together? Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus thank, you for your redemption thank you for your redemption that you have given to me. Given to I, me. Confess my sins, I confess my sins. And as you have spoken to my heart, I am asking you, asking you to, forgive me. to forgive me. I need your help. I need your help. God, you know my challenges. You know my weaknesses. You know my circumstances. So I am asking you today to intervene and give me an opportunity to be able to love you more and to be the hand that is extended to others that brings healing and resolution. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, I can tell you that God is able to answer prayer. I know that the power of God's love and what we often forget, 
don't ever assume that any service is regular because the Holy Spirit is so creative. He has healing for some of you in this room tonight. Don't discount it being Wednesday night because if God speaks to you, tugs on your heart and says, go down and be anointed, my friend, by all means, listen to that because it's God's desire to bring you to a place wherewith He is able to do what He decided to do. I'll wait on you just for a moment as we sing and let God minister, shall we? So, Father, I thank you because we've heard your word. You've given us some meat to be able to chew upon. I pray that you would guide us. I pray that, Father God, you would be exalted. God, I pray that you would test us this week. Put a test out there to see what we learned tonight. And, God, the minute that that test arrives and that freight train comes at us, may our spirit be quickened with what we've heard tonight and put it into practice and then we become stronger, Father, in the Holy Spirit. Now, in Jesus' name, I pray a covering over every person here, every home. And Lord, now I pray there's someone to the sound of my voice and in this room right now. They need a direct miracle from you. They need an absolute intervention in some area of their life, in their home, in their business. They need that to happen and they need it to happen now. So God, do your work in their behalf. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Love you, everybody. God bless you. Enjoy your evening.
which I 